Over 300 anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced in state legislators across the country this year. We're only halfway through. On Wednesday, President Biden signed an executive order addressing health care access, housing instability and safe learning environments for queer youth and families. It marks the most recent federal response against conversion therapy, which Biden calls a, quote, dangerous and discredited practice. To talk about the executive order's impact on queer Chicagoans, I am joined in the studio by Mackenzie Mack, founder and CEO of MMG Earth, a black and non-binary lead-led research and change management firm. Hi, Mackenzie. Hi. Lasaya Wade. Yes, good to have you. And Lasaya Wade is with us as well, the founder and CEO of Brave Space Alliance on Chicago's South Side. Welcome back, Lasaya. Thank you. Good to meet you in person, finally. Also with us is Brave Space Alliance's COO, Stephanie Scora. Welcome to Reset, Stephanie. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'll start with you, Mackenzie. How are you feeling about this executive order? Um, I think that, to put it very uh, concisely, it lacks teeth. I think that I'm concerned about it, and especially given in you know your beautiful intro, Sasha, to this discussion and talking about just how much legislation has been passed, anti-LGBTQ legislation in such a short period of time, Mm -hmm. um, that tells us that if we're going to combat legislation like that, that's actually really tangible, right? That is banning uh, trans youth from being able to have access to gender-affirming health care, banning their participation in sports, banning even the discussions of LGBTQ issues in schools, then if we're going to combat it, we need something more tangible. Lasaya McKenzie says it lacks teeth. What is the major takeaway here? Um, the major takeaway is the backlash is going to happen after this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we This is amazing that he has placed this as an executive order, but why did it take so long? Why, do, why did our siblings have to die so heavy for this to actually really happen? And I like the part that McKenzie placed it, it, it lacks teeth because where is the uh, the backlash? I mean, not the not the backlash, but the tangible... Um, proof that is nothing's going to happen towards us. Um, as we notice, any type of law that's been placed or uh, put in uh, in an, in any state or, or or the country, we still receive backlash. And trans um, trans explicitly black trans women are still being murdered. We started our discussion before we we jumped on air, and and you talked about it having taken too long. Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long? Um, this is all a political game. Um, um, this is something that he needs for him to hold particular power um, at this particular moment. And as we are seeing the uprising of white supremacy in this country, he needs something to uh, throw back at them. Stephanie, Biden says that this is the first uh, or this is the federal government's first coordinated effort against conversion therapy. Is it? Yeah, it it really is. Uh, you know, there have been statements out of the federal government previously uh against conversion therapy. You know, Barack Obama said some stuff about it. There have been uh, various federal figures, uh, mostly in Congress lately, who have spoken out against conversion therapy. But this is the first executive action taken against conversion therapy. I see. And I think, um, you know, this is all well and good. But, you know, to go back to what Mackenzie said, you know, it's not just that the order lacks teeth. That it's, it's, it's that it lacks substance at all, really. Um, it's a lot of empty platitudes, um, and it's a lot of, we will work towards this. We'll explore doing that. We're going to commission research to do this. Um, you sound it, like the president. Right, it, exactly. And you <laughs> know, it's the same language. This is, the LGBTQ community and trans people in particular need so much more than some vague executive order that does nothing but begin a conversation that our community started decades ago. We don't need 
an outside player to come and sit at the table and force us to recap the last 20, 30 years of our history. What we need is action. The president has the ability to make substantial policy change through executive orders. Uh, Donald Trump did it when he was president very extensively, basically Mm -hmm. governed exclusively through executive order. Barack Obama did a little bit of it. And Joe Biden's refusing to take meaningful action on LGBTQ rights and defending trans people by using the same tools. Well, Stephanie, I know you spearhead policy efforts for Brave Space Alliance. So shed some light on, on what the actual legal implications of this order might be. Well, it's very likely to be challenged in court by any number of conservative attorneys general. Um, You know, we're likely to see 20, 25 states, um, maybe more attorneys general, depending on which moderates think it's politically expedient, join in a a massive federal lawsuit against any attempt at enforcing this executive order and any of the protections that Biden did deign to place into it. Mm. Um, So not only, you know, it's, it's not likely to hold up because we don't have a Supreme Court or federal judges that are likely to uphold the rights and humanity of LGBTQ people. And beyond that, there is no there's no enforcement mechanism. There's no defense mechanism. There's nothing for the community to latch on to and say this is a win. So we don't have, mm. you know. So it doesn't really in. impact any legislation here exactly. in Illinois. It, it does nothing for Illinois. You know, it, it, it may reallocate some funding. I, mean, I think probably the strongest part of the executive order was the item on housing. Um, diverting additional federal resources to creating housing for LGBTQ people. We don't know how that will play out. It's likely to take a number of years for that funding to actually reach the community agencies that can make use of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, even if it does, it'll go through a convoluted federal or state grant process through pass-throughs and block grants. And this money isn't going to reach the community until Joe Biden's out of office. Mm-hmm. Um, you, and- you made a very strong statement at the beginning there, Mackenzie. Dig in a little further. What else is missing from what Biden has addressed? Um, well, I think let's let's even take an example of what, what Stephanie was saying. So in terms of even thinking about some of the recommendations that are being made to these federal agencies, a big part of the executive order was also naming that the the uh, the actual work that will be done by these agencies has to be utilized from a, an existing operating budget. So when you think about that, right, we already know that agencies are pushed to the brim when it comes to resources and the allocation of those resources. And if you just happen to be in a state, Uh, We have a number of elected officials that are actually supporting anti-LGBTQ legislation. Do we really think that funds are going to be adequately and equitably allocated to actually fighting some of these some of this legislation that we're seeing to protecting trans youth, to protecting gender affirming health care? I mean, that's not going to happen. And, and, you know, actually, Mackenzie, I would say not only is it not going to happen, we're likely to see something similar to what we saw with the Affordable Care Act, where governors and legislators in these conservative states are going to make a huge show about rejecting these additional funds Absolutely. to score political points. And also, most of, and including most of the funds are going to go to white-led organizations. Mm-hmm. They're That's not true. going And yeah. that pl- particular piece of around equity, right? Equity has not even changed with the, within this country at all. Mm-hmm. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you are just tuning in, we are discussing Biden's executive order combating anti-LGBTQ legislation with Mackenzie Mack from MMG Earth, along with Lasaya Wade and Stephanie Scora from Brave Space Alliance. I want to stick with you, uh, Lasaya. One of Biden's goals with this order is protecting and expanding gender affirming care mm-hmm. for trans kids. Why is it so important for transgender kids to have access to that? To see themselves. Um there's a a long history of not seeing trans or gender non-conforming people in leadership mm-hmm. or 
positions of power or director roles. Um, I talk about this all the time. I, I coined it as the mirror effect. I think it's important when you walk in a space to see yourself in leadership or in a role of power to not yourself to be able, I can be that person. I can be that person one day. Even if I don't want to be that person, I can get to that level um, in any type of soci- any type of form of society, right? So for a trans and conforming to be able to um, not only transition at a young age, but to actually be able to healthy and lovingly transition at a young age without worry about the despairs or society deeming them. Where it as feels demons. like you're not doing something wrong, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, Mackenzie, we've talked this entire conversation about how this move from the federal government, how it took so long, right, in some ways. Is it a step in the right direction, though? I think it is a step in the right direction. Um, I think that, you know, that we can do both. We can say, hey, yes, even bringing visibility to these issues is important. And also we can challenge it and say, but if the highest governing body in the United States, you know, can't can't sort of like intervene in ways um, in very dangerous legislation that we know is, is actually taking lives, is so eloquently sort of shared earlier by Lasaya, especially the lives of black trans women, mm-hmm. then what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a speech before he signed the bill, uh, President Biden called on Congress to pass the Equality Act. Um, Stephanie, give us a quick rundown on that piece of legislation and why it's so important. Yeah, the Equality Act is federal LGBTQ non-discrimination legislation. It's been around, oh, what, almost for 15, 15-ish years now. Um, and, you know, it's it's essential legislation. It's federal-level legislation that would protect LGBTQ people and preserve our basic dignities. Um in public accommodations, in workplace discrimination, um, in in many areas of life. Uh, Unfortunately, the Equality Act's dead in the water, um, and it has been for a long time. It will never pass the Senate. Uh, I believe the House already tried to pass it. They already passed it last session. Um, They're going to try and pass it if the Democrats maintain their majority. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we've we've moved beyond legislative solutions for these issues. You know, relying on Congress to pass the Equality Act is a fantasy at this point. Um, and I think, you know, if you really drill down into LGBTQ policy organizations, they will admit this legislation isn't moving unless major things about Congress change. Mm-hmm. What we need is not – I mean, legislation is great. Legislation is always a step in the right direction. But we need immediate action to protect the lives and the well-being of the most vulnerable people in our community, black and brown, trans women, LGBTQ people in general. And the Equality Act isn't going to do that. The Equality Act is non-discrimination legislation. We need resources. We need protection. And we need the ability to determine where these resources and the protection go ourselves. Yeah, it it passed the House in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Sticking with the Equality Act, Mackenzie, even without it, the executive order directs the Department of Education to create a working group to make schools safer and uh, more inclusive for queer students. What kind of specific actions do you think are needed in schools right now? Well, I think that if we intersect it with discussions of mental health, which was one of the the issues that was named in the executive order, we can talk about the fact that the Trevor Project did a a study last year, and they found that out of maybe 34,000 LGBTQ plus youth, that about half had seriously considered suicide or contemplated it. Um, And then there was another study that was done that focused specifically on the impact of this kind of anti-LGBTQ legislation on trans youth, specifically and LGBTQ youth as a whole. And that found that about two-thirds of those that that were polled of 820 LGBTQ youth, 66% named that this legislation particularly had a very direct impact, a negative impact on their mental health. Mm -hmm. So when we take it to the education level and we start talking about schools, 
Um, I think, of course, academics are always important. And then I think oftentimes within academia, what we forget about is the, the whole person. Um, and what it takes to actually be able to support a, a student, um, regardless of their age, but specifically within LGBTQ communities, to be able to, you know, live the best lives that they can live. But that's that's made incredibly, incredibly difficult when you don't know if potentially, for example, going to share an, ex- ex- uh, an uh, experience with transphobia or homophobia, if potentially you'll be outed for that, um, or potentially be be told, depending on the state that you're living, that you're attempting to kind of politicize your identity when really all you're asking for is help and assistance and support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It goes back to something Lasaya said earlier. Talk more about what this kind of visibility means for that next generation of LGBTQ kids. They have multitudes of layers of, of scarcity right now. Um, we talk about LGBT youth in a particular way, but we can't even protect our youth as a whole right now um, and explicitly trying to pass gun laws in this country as we are speaking at multiple tools of levels. So even protecting the most marginalized within our youth, we can't even protect the full youth as a whole right now. So how do we go combat the basic needs of our youth in this particular country? Talking about um, food disparities, homelessness disparities, and then go into conversations around the LGBT people, LGBT youth in this country. So it's, it's really multitudes of different intersections that we need to really, really home in on protecting the youth across this country as a whole. So I cannot really home in on LGBT youth like we want to when there are multitudes of different issues that they're actually dealing with right now. Yeah. Well, before you all go, uh, I want you to briefly tell us what you're going to be watching for in the coming months. You first, Lasaya. I'm be watching to make sure how do we protect the youth right now. I have a two-year-old. I have to see what I'm going to be doing to make sure that when he goes to school, he's going to be okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Stephanie? Uh, I'm going to be watching for the potential lawsuits from attorneys general in conservative states. I'm also going to be watching for states that tout themselves as progressive on LGBTQ issues to step up and pass sanctuary state legislation for trans individuals uh, to make sure that when we're being driven from our homes in so many places across the country that we have somewhere to go. And you, Mackenzie? Um, so I think this this kind of draws back to a conversation I actually just had with Stephanie just before um, our discussion. And I'm going to be looking at local elections mm-hmm. and figuring out kind of like what's happening at the local level. I'm going to be thinking a lot about the state, state-based agencies. And then as we get closer and closer to the beginnings of, you know, we have some rumblings now, but we, as we get more tangibly into presidential campaigning, I'm going to also be thinking um, very deeply about what it means to actually provide resources to our LGBTQ communities, especially knowing that we're going through a lot and, and it's going to get a lot more challenging. That was Ms. Uh, Mackenzie Mack from MMG Earth as well as from Brave Space Alliance, Lasaya Wade and Stephanie Score. Thank you all so much for joining us. Really appreciate you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.